18. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. It's a lengthy passage of Scripture. Uh, but it's a very important for us to get the full context of, of what I'm going to be sharing with you today. The, the title of the message is this. Forgiven with an exclamation point. Forgiving with a question mark. Forgiven. Forgiving. Listen as we read uh, these verses of Scripture together, beginning in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Now, in every other translation other than the ESV that I checked, it is seventy times seven. I'm not sure why this translation just simply says 77. But, but the, the number is not the important thing. It's what the number is implying that I will get to in a little bit that is important. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also... My heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I believe the greatest event that can ever happen in the life of any individual is the matter of forgiveness of sin. You can have a lot of great things to happen. You can get married. You can have children. You can buy the big house. You can have the great car. You can go on the great vacations. Uh, you, you, you can do all of that, which is all great, but I don't think there's anything as great as that experience of having your sins forgiven. Because when a person trusts Christ as Lord and Savior, all of the past sins are forgiven to never be remembered by Him again. At the moment of salvation, when you said, Christ, forgive me and cleanse me, all of those sins you committed leading up to that time, He forgives you, wipes the slate clean, and, and throws them into the sea of forgetfulness to never be remembered again. 
And it does not matter how horrendous that sin may have been. And for us, we have a hard time fathoming that. How that God can forgive someone who is a murderer, someone who who has been a, a molester, someone who has been a rapist. How in the world could he ever forgive those people? We we don't understand and we cannot comprehend, but I believe the Bible makes it very clear that when anyone comes to Christ and says, please forgive me, he forgives them and wipes that sin dead away and they are as clean and pure as snow from that moment forth. What a great day when we are forgiven of our sins. I believe possibly the second greatest event in the life of a person is when that person learns to forgive those who have offended them. Without learning to forgive others, our Christian life will never be what it should be. Without learning to forgive, our spirit will be killed. The greatest event is our sins being forgiven by Christ. And the second possibly greatest event is us learning how to forgive others who have offended us. And I can guarantee you, every congregation that I have ever been in, there are always people there who are holding grudges who have not forgiven someone. And I would, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I'd bet you today that there's somebody here who's got a grudge against somebody that they're having a hard time forgiving that person for whatever it was. For, for some people, that person has already died that they struggle to forgive. As a young boy, I was molested by my church-going uncle on multiple times, and he's been dead several years, and I still struggle with forgiving him for what he did. I prayed again this morning, Lord, help me to forgive him for what he did to me and several of my cousins. But sometimes that, that dead person that we have this grudge against we're not even willing to consider forgiving them. And then I have found through many years of ministry that there are often really bad, nasty divorces where that there's someone who ends up mad with the other spouse or, or with some family member, and, and they never learn how to forgive those people. And then just within family, you've heard me say this, I love family, but family can be so messy. Oh, my word. That, that family can... Family can make it rain on a sunshiny day sometimes, can't Ain't that right? I, I mean, so, some of the biggest grudges that will ever be found is within families. Uh, brothers against brothers or sisters against sisters or children against parents and parents against children. And, and then sometimes the grudge is against a friend. Way too many times I've seen close friends, something went wrong and they became enemies. And they could never forgive each other for what happened. Now, I, back to the family. I, I met with a family one time. I met with a brother and a sister. That, that They were at war with each other. And I met with them and, and did some counseling with them. <clears throat> and basically said, the day is coming you're going to need each other. You need to learn how to 
settle your differences and forgive each other. And it's true with friends. That there, the day will come you will need that friend again. We all need friends. So, sometimes it's co-workers. I, I've not always been a preacher. I've worked in road construction. I've worked in farming. I've worked in house construction. I ran a feed mill on a, at a turkey farm. I was a machinist. I've worked around all kinds of people. I mean, I've worked around good people, bad people, sorry people, mean people, lazy people. I've worked around... People who went and stole lunches out of the, the break room and went to the bathroom to eat the lunch of the person they stole it from. I mean, I, I worked around some of all kind. And if you've worked public work, you have worked around some of those same people also. And, and sometimes we're not careful. We'll get a grudge against that person and we don't want to turn it loose. We want to remember it and bring it up again and again. And then we get to fellow church members. Way too many times in ministry, I've seen fellow church members who are mad with another church member, sometimes over something happened five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago. They may not even remember what it was that happened, but they still hold a grudge against somebody over something. Something that somebody said, something that somebody did, or something that somebody didn't do. Grudges can be found in church congregations. Did you know that? I think you already knew that. <clears throat> Grudges. Unforgiveness. It, it is bad for the person. It is bad for the organization. It, it's, it's bad for the church when that is taking place. So, this morning, in these verses of Scripture... First of all, I want to look at the question that was asked in verse 21. When Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. When you look at that question, you've got to look at the source of the question. Who asked the question? Peter. Now, what do we know about Peter? Peter could be mouthy. Peter was the one that would try to correct Jesus. Peter was the one who wanted to fight. Peter's the one in the Garden of Gethsemane who pulled the sword and cut the ear off of the, of the soldier. I mean, Peter was a fisherman. P Peter, Peter was a little rough around the edges. You know anybody like that? Just a little bit rough around the edges. They're, they're really good, but they're a little bit rough around the edges. Well, that, that was Peter. And, and Peter's mouth. I'm sure Peter's mouth had said things and done things that it shouldn't have. And I'm sure Peter's mouth had gotten him in trouble. But here Peter is asking the question of, well, how many times have I got to forgive somebody who offends me? When, when Peter has, how many people has Peter offended himself probably? But, but Peter is, is like, oh, how many times have I got to forgive them? The church I grew up in. It, it, it was a battling church, a fighting church. You, do you know anything about fighting churches? Half of them were my family members. And, and, and I mean, we, we had contentious business meetings. I mean, it was, uh, wow. At 68 years old, I still don't like church business meetings because of what I grew up in. 
And I remember that one of the men, one Sunday morning, not even a business meeting, told the preacher he needed to say something. Well, when somebody comes up and tells me that, I'm always like, what do you want to say? I'm not going to just let anybody and everybody get up in front of the church and start talking. Some people are crazy. Can we just agree on that? And he got up, and he stood on this side of the church. I can still see it today. And he he had said things and done things that he shouldn't have said and done. But here's what he said. For all of you who have offended me, I forgive you. I'm like, what? You should be asking for forgiveness from them. Well, that's Peter. Peter can't see his own issues. He's like, well, how, how many times have I got to forgive? And he probably was thinking about somebody. Might have been one of the other disciples. I don't know. But Peter's probably thinking about somebody. like, how many times have I got to forgive that rascal? Well, the question that was asked, the source of it was Peter. And the sin of the question was he failed to consider his own sinfulness. He failed to consider what he had said and what he had done. He failed to consider... How he had hurt people and felt considered that he needed to be forgiven. That was the question that was asked. Now, the answer that was given in verses 22 through 35. The answer that was given actually has two parts to it. The first part of it answers the question of how many times. How many times have I got to forgive him? How many times have I got to forgive her? And, And Peter said, seven like seven is some big number. I mean, seven times I got to forgive that person. And again, in the ESV, it says 77, but I read through half a dozen different translations that all said 70 times seven. Well, those of you who are good with math without taking your shoes off, 70 times seven is how many? 490. Y'all did good. 490 times. I preached this in Haiti to a pastor's group, I think 2018. And I said, the the number that is given is not the important issue, it's the principle that is given. I said, because in order for you to know if someone has offended you 490 times, that would mean that you had kept a record of every time they offended you. Well, after every sermon, there, were, there was a Q&A time with those Haitian pastors. And some of the Haitian pastors were ladies, and, and one of them said, I have a book that I have a record of every time someone has offended me. I said, well, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to go home and take that book, tear it up, and throw it away. Because this is not talking about the exact number. It is the principle of the fact that ever how many times you are offended, you are to forgive that individual. I never dreamed that anybody would ever tell me that they had a list. I might have been on that list after that day. I don't know. I, I may have offended her when I said, go home and tear up your list and throw it away. But, but it, it is not the exact number that's important. 
It, it is the matter of just being willing to forgive. Now, those of you who are married, if you've been married any length of time, you passed 490 a long time ago, didn't you? How, how, how far past 490 are you in forgiveness by now? Ron just all lived about 4,932 million in forgiveness. I, I mean, I, I couldn't even begin to guess how many times she has needed to forgive me because of something I said or something I did. Y'all think I'm sweet and innocent. Rhonda says, hogwash. Not at all. But if you've had friends for any length of time, you've had to forgive those friends. F- family again? Oh, my gracious. How many times have you had to forgive family? And and if you're just literally making a, a list and putting down every time you forgive them, you've missed it. It's about being willing to forgive each time that you are offended. It, it and that's why why is that so? Well, because of the the forgiveness that we have received in verses twenty three through twenty seven. Uh, that this the servant that owed 10,000 talents. Now, that's a lot. And when he was told he had to pay it, he said, please, I don't have the money. I don't have the means. Please, please don't make me do that. Have pity on me. And the servant, the master said, okay, I forgive you. Man, what a great forgiveness that was. I can't even imagine what 10,000 talents would have looked like back then. But I can picture what 10,000 talents would look like as far as Christ forgiving me of my sins. Oh my gracious, how many sins did Christ forgive me for at the moment of salvation? And how many sins have I for forgiveness for since salvation and the bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us every sin that we ever confess to him so because of the great forgiveness that we have received we should be willing to forgive others i know what we think you don't know that person like i do how many times have y'all said that about somebody you don't know him like I do. But you don't know me like I know me either. Because of the great forgiveness that has been given to us, we forgive others. And then secondly, because of the fate that we face, if we don't forgive them, look in verses 28 through 35. So, so th- this servant that had been forgiven 10,000 talents, he had a servant that owed him 100 denarii. That's pocket change. That's hardly nothing, especially compared to 10,000 talents. A- a- and he came to the one who had been, been forgiven 10,000, and he says, I, I can't pay you th- this denarii that I owe you. Please, have pity on me. But the one who had been forgiven 10,000 talents, what did he do? grabbed this other one by the neck and started choking him and threw him into jail until he could pay what he owed. Well, 
That didn't turn out too good for the man who had been forgiven 10,000 talents because his master heard from other servants what had happened and he called that individual back in front of him and said, I forgave you 10,000 and you would not forgive him 100 denarii. He said in, in his anger, he delivered him to the jailers until he could pay all of his debt. He was back to owing 10,000 talents. Because he would not forgive the lesser amount owed to him by his servant. And verse 35 says, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It simply means that God is not going to be pleased with us and we will have to answer to him for not forgiving. Now we don't lose our salvation. It, it, it does not cause us to be lost. And God can still use us if he chooses to. But as God begins to deal with us about that lack of forgiveness, we're going to be miserable people. You know some of the hardest people to be around are miserable Christians. Oh, my word. A miserable Christian, you can't do anything right for them. A, a believer who is out of God's will, a believer who is not living according to God's plan, a believer who is holding grudges and will not forgive others, a, be, a believer who, who is trying to do it his own way, that will be a miserable individual and will not be any fun to be around. You can't say anything or do anything right because they are so eaten up inside with what they have not done and the way that they are rebelling against Christ. When we do not forgive others, we give an account. First of all, we, we hurt ourselves. I, I think there are a lot of people who have emotional issues that come from the fact that they will not forgive others. They let it grow inside and they, they let it take hold of them. And all they can think about getting even with that person and what can I do to them. And, and, and I mean, they're just constantly trying to come up with a plan of some kind on how they can hurt them. And friends, that will take you down emotionally, mentally. It, this matter of unforgiveness, it, it will affect you physically. There are a lot of people who end up sick and in the hospital, and a lot of people who end up with emotional issues that, that need to be treated. That there are a lot, and not all of them, but there are a lot, that just a good dose of salvation and forgiveness for others would do a whole lot to help them deal with who they are. A believer cannot live a contented life while holding grudges against others. It's impossible. Back in my young years, different places that I worked at, I remember we always had to do an annual inventory. Anybody ever help do an annual inventory? Yeah. Hobby Lobby did an annual inventory? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Brian, Brian knows about annual inventory. Yeah, I mean, when you do the annual inventory, you have to count everything there. 
And sometimes it would take days to do. Everything has to be tagged. Everything has to be written up. You've got to have a complete list when you do that annual inventory. One reason Uncle Sam wants to know what you got has to do with taxes. But the other reason, the business itself, that they need to know what they have on hand. Do they have what's needed to fulfill orders that are going to be coming in? Or do they need to order something? Currently, in grocery stores, if you go in grocery stores, you see them walking around with this little handheld computer, and they're going aisle to aisle and shelf to shelf, and and they're spinning it and counting, and, and and they have a running inventory all the time of what they have, so that they know if they need to reorder. Nowadays, they may reorder and not get it, but that they know what they need, and that inventory is what keeps them going. So that we go in there a week later or two weeks later or five weeks later, hopefully they will have what we came to buy because they have known when to reorder this. So so inventory is very important. Well, as believers, we need to do an inventory. And it shouldn't be an annual inventory. It should at least be a daily inventory. Maybe even an hourly inventory. Of am I holding a grudge against somebody? How quickly can somebody get under your skin? Can it happen pretty quickly? Now, don't have to say anything, but when you're at work and you're really busy and there's always that other employee that you really don't like, I mean, you just tolerate. About every job, there's somebody you just kind of tolerate. And you're just head over heels in work, and all of a sudden that other person comes up and, and just starts yabbering. You understand yabbering? That, that's not too technical for you, is it, yabbering? Or, or they come up, and all of a sudden they want to tell you all the juicy gossip that's going on. Did you ever have gossip where you worked? Or, or they come up, and they want to complain about the boss did this, the boss did that, and, and they did that, and this. And How quickly do you all of a sudden say, Fall off the face of the earth for a while. Just just go on. Leave me alone. Maybe we need to do an inventory right then and say, Okay, God, forgive me. And don't let me hold a grudge against them. I know we don't get along that well. And I know that this is normal. God, help me that I don't hold a grudge against this person. For whatever. If you wait. A year to do so. You're going to have a Sears and Roebuck catalog full. How many of y'all ever had a Sears and Roebuck catalog? Yeah. Anybody ever have a Spiegel catalog? Spiegel? Yeah. Finger Hut? See, I'm really talking about old times now. But, I mean, if we don't do a daily inventory and sometimes an hourly inventory of what we need to confess and what we need to do to forgive someone else, in a year's time, we're going to have that catalog full. And from the time it first started till we get to that point, we're not going to be real happy and we're going to start getting miserable and we're going to be miserable around other people and they're going to be miserable because we're miserable and everybody's going to be miserable. It's not like a miserable time, doesn't it? Forgiven, exclamation point. When Christ saves us, he forgives us for all 
past sins. Forgiving? Question mark. Are we now willing to forgive others? Because of the great forgiveness that we have received. And because of our fate if we don't. Forgiveness. It makes life a lot better. If you would just forgive those people. Don't, don't be like my friend I told you about that got up and said, Anyone who has offended me, I forgive you. Wrong. Anyone that I have offended, will you forgive me? I'm sorry. I am sorry are three of the hardest words in the English language for most people to say. I am sorry. But we need to do that from time to time. We need to be willing to forgive others even as we have been forgiven. Remember, I think it was last Sunday I, I mentioned Christ hanging on the cross. What did he say? Father, forgive them. But they know not what they do. Even in dying, he set the example of forgiving other people. Would you stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed this morning?